0: Well, good morning again. <clears throat> As I was saying, you know, the ending of another year is uh, <clears throat> sometimes just a favorite time of reflection for me, and I wish that the ending of the year would uh, kind of match up with our text today to kind of tie those two things together. But in fact, um, this text doesn't necessarily match up with much of anything. It's a it's a hard text, and. Uh, <clears throat> You'll find out why in a moment. Turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. We're we're going to continue our Christmas season through our text and the Christmas story through our text today. Matthew chapter 2. We're going to be reading in verses 13 all the way to verse 18. I'll uh, I'll read this and then then we'll pray. <clears throat> Matthew two thirteen. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. So this is right after the, uh, the Christmas story has taken place. Jesus is born, and uh, and the, the wise men have come and bring brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And now, verse thirteen. Now when <clears throat> they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, "Rise." That is the slaughter of the innocent. Let's pray. God, I just ask that you would come, that you would speak to us this morning, Lord, that you would give me words to speak, that you put a guard on my mouth of anything that you would wish not spoken, Lord, that you would give us all ears to hear, Lord, that in which you need us to hear. God, that you would um, come, that you would fill this place with your Holy Spirit, And that by hearing your word that you would produce faith in our lives to believe your goodness and your grace each and every day. Amen. Well, there is much that can be discussed from this text today. But I would like to focus on just one of the perspectives and that's the perspective of Mary and Joseph. So put yourself in their shoes for a moment from the beginning of the Christmas story. Mary is going to have a child. She's going to need to go through the, the morning sickness, a changing body, delivering the baby, and Joseph also has to go on this journey with her. and He has to kind of go through this, this public embarrassment of the time of, of, of having a pregnant fiancé, a gal pregnant before they're married, and, and, and the child isn't even his. So his betrothed is pregnant. It's not with your child. What is he supposed to say? I mean, how is he supposed to respond and, and tell, what is he supposed to tell people during this time? And then if that isn't enough, at nine months pregnant or somewhere around there, with Mary ready to give birth, this call for a census to be taken makes Joseph and Mary head to Bethlehem at perhaps the worst possible time. But of course, it's a great time if a prophecy needs to be fulfilled, so they go and praise the Lord, they make it to Bethlehem and they have this baby there, they've done it. The hard part is over. Well, I guess not. Now they have to raise this child. Mary has to heal and nurse and do the things that every new mother has to, all with the pressure of raising up this little one. As a parent who has felt the pressure of needing to keep a little human alive and hopefully make them a faithful, functioning member of society, I can relate to the pressure, but Mary has all those same fears and pressure, but added to it is the fact that this little one is God's son. It makes the little questions like, is he getting enough to eat? Is he getting enough sleep? You know, makes them all a little bit bigger. You know, you don't want to screw this up. There's a lot riding on this little boy. A lot of pressure for Mary and Joseph. And then comes this twist in the story that we read This morning, after all of that, all that they've done, now there's a madman named Herod ready to massacre every child under two years of age so that he can protect his throne. And this is what makes me pause a bit this morning because I think that inside of every single human being, there's a part of our brain that is kind of always playing a game with God. Like, God, if I do this stuff for you, then you'll probably do some stuff for me. And Mary and Joseph, after seemingly giving so much, sacrificing so much, now have to uproot themselves and head to a new country and a new land. Scripture doesn't mention any emotions from them, but I can imagine them questioning this whole situation. Like, Lord, I didn't sign up for this. You know, we did our part. You know, we had the baby. Now, come on, let us just get back to, to normal, would you? We did our part, God. Can't you just protect us from Herod? I, I want to be comfortable. I want to be in my own home, around my own relationships, around my own family. This isn't fair. I mean, come on, Lord. We couldn't even have, we, we're, we're in a manger in Bethlehem where we have to have this child. Like, would you just stop? It doesn't seem fair. And I'm not so sure that it is. It's not fair for Mary and Joseph. But this is where we need to pause because God, throughout this, never promised fair to them. In fact, God never promised fair to any of us that we would ever be completely safe after doing God a solid. So often it's easy to do something for God and then in hopes, kind of thinking that, that you know, um, maybe that'll give us some brownie points. But God has never promised smooth sailing. God has never promised easy or comfortable circumstances. He just promises His presence in every season. And I want to talk about that a little bit this morning because sometimes I suspect that we behave and think that if we are obedient, then God will send a hedge of protection around us and our family. Like if we just, you know, if we do some good things, if we step out in faith in a few places, then perhaps we won't be, you know, subject to some, some bad things that happen in our lives. As I say that, you might kind of think that, like, well, I don't know if I really think that. Like, I know life happens. I don't expect God to... To keep me from everything, but but it just seems that it's just at the base of who we are that if if we scratch our you know his back that that maybe you know that he'll scratch our you know scratch ours it'll be a good relationship. But w- so often when when something frustrating happens or or a tragedy happens in our lives, in those moments we kind of see this 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 mindset come out that maybe we won't admit to at first glance that that I know that that's not how it works. But when when tragedy happens, how often is it? Even easy to kind of look to God and say, God, how could you let this happen? you know where, where were you on that one Lord? and in those kind of questions maybe maybe it, it shows it starts revealing itself that like maybe we do think about our spiritual life in this way that like like God I've been doing all this stuff what do you where you're not holding up your end of the bargain and without knowing it we can sometimes expect God to do things that were never promise to us in the first place. And instead of an understanding if if we're obedient to God, He'll send this hedge of protection around us or our family, instead I think more often the truth is this, and I think we get to see this in the text today, that more often that obedience is our hedge of protection. Like obedience doesn't necessarily mean like we can kind of bankroll, store up this good stuff if we just do a bunch of good stuff. We'll kind of store up good favor with the Lord and that'll somehow in the future keep us from from harm or, or bad events. No, I think it's more like when we walk in obedience, we are protected from a lot. Look back at verses 13 and 14 in the text today. It says that, Now, when they had departed, speaking of the wise men, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and he said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child and destroy him. And he rose, it's talking about Joseph now, and he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. Mary and Joseph and Jesus were protected because of their obedience to God. These verses sound a little hurried to, to me. Joseph didn't contemplate a different plan or try to control the situation with his own idea or create a pros and cons list this. When he arose, he took the child and his mother by night and he departed to Egypt. The hedge of protection was his obedience, that when he listened to the Lord's warning and said, go, he went, he obeyed and he went, and because of that, they were protected from the things of Herod, And I hope this is making sense, that, 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 that it's, it's a kind of a, a fine line. Maybe we're splitting hairs, but it's like when we step out obedience, when we listen to God's word, he keeps us from so many things. That he, we're kept from a lot of hardship, we're kept from a lot of harm at times, and we're opened up to beautiful situation. That when we listen to his word and we walk, and as Jesus says, you know, I don't want you going down that road, I want you to walk this, way. this is the kind of life I, I desire for you to live. It's, it's in those words as we submit to that that we're protected from a lot of physical harm, but a lot of spiritual harm, more importantly. We're protected from the spiritual consequences of sin and often we're protected from the personal physical consequences that come with sin. These issues within our world, the issues that happen between relationships when we walk according to God's word as we submit to him and obey. There's so much that, that we are spared from, that we are protected from, that there's a hedge of protection as we walk in obedience from God, from spiritual harm, but also from the personal consequences of of sin as well. Go to Ephesians chapter 6, if you would. Ephesians chapter 6. This is a very practical way, I think, that we can see this being lived out. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. It says, children, <coughs> obey your parents, in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Read it again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you that you may live long in the land. We've seen these verses that when we obey the Lord and honor our parents, it goes better for us. That's what it's saying. That there may be spiritual blessings that are tied to this, but there's certainly practical ones. As children, when we obey our parents and listen to them, normally things go better. The family functions smoother, and more often than not, we're safer. When I tell Sawyer like to stop climbing on the the barbed wire fence, it's because I know. That I've been on those fences before and you can fall and you can get cut and I don't want him getting hurt. So I say get off the fence and it goes better if he listens. When I tell him buckle up or tell my kids don't go that way go this way it's going to be faster. The poison ivy's not over there it's you know like go that way. It goes better when they listen. I don't think that many of us would argue that parents know more about many parts of life than their kids do and have a better perspective on what is good or bad, what is, you know, harmful or safe. Yet when we get to our relationship with our Heavenly Father and He gives us instruction and guidance and hear in His Word, it's easy to question it, to wonder we're not so sure. We end up being a little kid on a fence thinking that balancing on the barbed wire is actually a good idea. And, uh, and although it has hurt others, it probably won't hurt me. I don't really see what the big deal is, after all. Because not balancing on barbed wire is a little out of date, anyway. You know, it, it's okay, because, you know, actually everyone's kind of doing it now. You know, it's so easy to hear instruction from the Lord and kind of be like, Lord, I'm not so sure about that one. I don't really get that one. And instead, we, and we miss out, we walk into situations that causes harm that God says, if you would just be obedient, it would keep you from so much hardship, so much pain, so much frustration that I'm trying to actually protect you with this. That's my heart in it, is to protect you believe that our heavenly father is trying to, to give us instruction to help guide us through a broken world with bodies that are desiring things that they ought not desire going places that they ought not want you should go but we just go to these things and we 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 are led around and God's saying I'm trying to protect you in this would you obey so that you could understand all throughout the New Testament God is speaking to us and calling us to obey in in Jesus in John 14 15 says if you love me keep my commands in Second John, he describes this and says, "And this is love that we walk in obedience to His commands." In Luke chapter 11:28, Jesus says, "Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it." And the more I understand God's heart, when I hear these verses, I, I see that God's pained when His children are hindered and deceived by sin. He is in pain when you are in pain, and led by your own desires into the messes that sin can create see god isn't some almighty god saying you know uh listen to me all right here's my rules follow and prove yourself to me i gotta see you know who's good and bad here so to just i'm gonna put down some rules and you obey them okay that's not the god's heart he's saying would you just please listen would you obey i don't want you to walk in sin i don't want those consequences for you i don't want any of that for you And if you love me, you'd listen to me because you trust my words and you won't want to cause me pain. And it causes me pain to watch you walk in a situation that I have tried so desperately to guide you out of. There are certainly dangers in this broken world that will impact all of us. There's sickness and natural disasters that will come. We don't have much control over much. But there are many things, many disasters, many... opportunities that we walk into on our own accord because we do not listen to God's Word and all that He desires. And He knows that some of those consequences can just be so unbearable on us. So He says, if you love me, would you keep my commands? I want to keep you from that pain. I want to keep, you, keep others from the pain that will come from the sin that you're tempted by in Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, it lines out this hard truth from the Lord that it says God will repay each person according to what they've done. To those who are persistent in doing good, to seek glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there'll be wrath and anger. And God doesn't desire to give wrath and anger, but there will be wrath and anger. We get to see that wrath poured out on Jesus Christ. And it's poured out on all those who don't look to Jesus as their Lord and Savior who took the wrath for them. See, obedience can be such a hedge of protection as we walk with God and we listen to Scripture, we just become protected from so, so much. Now you may say, Pastor Greg, Uh, I don't really understand this because we see in Scripture that uh, so many times when people are obedient to God, they're uh, they're actually killed. They have consequences. What about all the martyrs? They were obedient. What do you mean that obedience is a hedge of protection? Obedience got those men killed, and that's certainly true. But the obedience as we walk according to God's word doesn't necessarily save you from physical harm, but it does spare us from that spiritual harm and the consequences of sin in this physical realm. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 10, Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. The apostles lived out this calling, being obedient to Christ. We can read about this. If you want to go to Acts chapter 5, you get to see this so beautiful as, as Peter goes before the Sanhedrin and he just says, like, I can't obey, man. I've got to obey God with this. And that might, that might bring some, some hardship on me, but what am I supposed to do? I must obey God and what he's called me to do. And because of those men's obedience, they're still thriving in Christ. They called on the Lord, as, called on Jesus as Lord and Savior, and they're still, they're still in His presence to this day. Though their bodies are no more, they're still alive. Their, their obedience was a hedge of protection, and they're now in this, the arms of Jesus, the safest place they could ever be. For God protects us from the worst possible threat that the earth can ever give us, which is death. And Christ says, yeah, it actually, there's actually victory for all those who are in me. Too often, I can look at obedience like the Christian chore chart. But as we desire, and as God changes the desires of our heart to just please God, to to, to walk according to His will, you realize that we're not missing out on the good stuff. We're actually, as we walk in obedience, we're, we're given this great gift of instruction by God. I don't know what 2024 will have in store for you. I don't know if there'll be Tragedy or great celebration. But I do know that there's this awesome gift of God's word that longs to be a light to your path, a lamp to your feet, to walk with you, to to guide you through the next year. It says, "I, I will not lead you astray if you submit in faithful obedience to my word and way. And as we walk forward in obedience, we can know that we're pleasing and glorifying the Lord Jesus, who's just an anchor in every season. It reminds us of the, the truth in John 16, that says, you know, I come to bring you peace in this world. There will be trouble, of course. But take heart, I've overcome the world. This is the truth of Jesus in this season. A God that's come for you, that loves and longs to be the Lord of your life in every single season. And even when there may be moments where we question God and expect the unpromised and perhaps even when we say with doubt, where were you on that one, Lord? We know through His word that He says, I was right next to you and I always will be. That's the truth for 2024. He will walk right next to you and He always will be he longs to protect you as we submit to the word of God and follow his will and ways let's pray Lord you are an awesome God and I pray Lord that you would walk with us continue to walk with us in this season through this new year Lord that as we would submit to you Lord that we would our eyes would be open of all that you are protecting us from Lord for when I go my own way Lord there seems to be so much brokenness and consequences and hardship for myself and those around me. And so, Lord, would you give me the strength and faith to trust you, to walk with you, and to lean on you through every season of life, even through the unpredictable, the tragedies, and the things that we feel like we do not deserve. Amen.